This episode of the Side Hustle Project is brought to you by FreshBooks, cloud accounting and invoicing software for freelancers, solopreneurs, and side hustlers. I've personally used FreshBooks as my go-to invoicing software since day one with my freelance business, even back when I was freelancing on the side of my day job. And as my business has grown over the years, so has FreshBooks. You can now create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds, accept online payments from your clients, and much, much more. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to listeners of The Side Hustle Project. To claim your free trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash Ryan and enter The Side Hustle Project in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Welcome to the Side Hustle Project, a podcast where we explore the nitty gritty details behind what it takes to start and grow a profitable side hustle. I'm your host, Ryan Robinson. In this podcast, I'm bringing you interviews with entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, CEOs, investors, and people just like you who are building and profiting from interesting side hustles. Today, we're doing something a little different. Now, to get this started, I want to offer up a radically new definition for you of what a business really is. A new take on how you should think about being an entrepreneur. I'm going to argue that a business is nothing more than a format for channeling your skills, experience, abilities, and interests into a neat little package that helps people accomplish something meaningful. A business should be incredibly simple, at least in the early days. No fully baked products, fancy websites, email marketing tools, high-tech automation systems, or Facebook ad campaigns. When you're looking for the right idea and just getting started, any moment spent not directly helping people is a waste of your time. In today's episode, we're talking about one of the most common questions I get from friends, family, and readers on my blog. The question always comes in various different forms, but it always boils down to, how do I find a profitable business idea? To be completely honest with you, and this is what I tell everyone, that's actually the wrong question to be asking in the first place, at least in the very beginning stages as you're thinking about starting your side hustle. The question itself, how do I find a profitable business idea, implies that the business needs to be making money from day one. Now, I'm not saying you can't make that happen or that you shouldn't have motivations of generating revenue from your business, but what I am saying is that this preconceived notion that the business must by default be profitable in the very near future will lead you down the wrong path. One that's difficult to recover from once you've started moving in that direction in the first place. Instead, I'm gonna make the case to you that the best businesses, the ones that'll last for years to come, start with just one focus, helping people. It's that simple if you allow it to be. And in order to lay the foundation for what can become a profitable business, you have to start with the mindset that your primary purpose for being in this business in the first place is to help people using your skills, experience, and abilities. On top of that, I'm gonna argue that the best business for you actually comes from what you're doing already. Your hobbies, interests, favorite conversation topics, the activities you do in your free time outside of your day job. Because when you don't do that and the initial excitement, the idea of being an entrepreneur wears off, it's easy to find yourself in a business that you really don't care about. I know because I've been there myself. That's why today we're talking about the best types of businesses you can start on the side of your day job. 
We're covering why chasing business idea trends or pursuing random market opportunities that look like they could turn a quick buck won't really get you anywhere in the long run. We're also digging into how you can identify opportunities that you're both interested in and uniquely qualified to help people with, turning your skills into profits. All of this and much more. As always, you can find everything I mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at ryrob.com slash podcast. That's spelled R-Y-R-O-B dot com slash podcast. Let's get into today's episode about finding the right business idea for you. Let's start by taking a look at three of today's most popular types of businesses, ways in which you can channel those skills, experiences, and interests of yours into a vehicle for helping people accomplish something meaningful. Remember, none of these will amount to anything without the foundation of being rooted in actually helping people. And if you want to follow along with this yourself, I put together a free worksheet you can grab at ryrob.com slash find. First up, my personal favorite type of side hustle, freelancing. Consulting, taking the skills you already have or are actively building and bringing them to companies or individuals who could use your skills in their business. Just about any somewhat established company with at least a few employees is going to be receptive to hiring an external freelancer or consultant that demonstrates enough ability to provide value. And many companies hire freelancers simply because they either don't want to hire full-time for the role, can't afford to, or want to test their way into something new with someone on a contract basis. And hands down, the best thing about making your way into being an entrepreneur with freelancing is that you don't have to pause today to go out and build new skills or go back to school. You're starting with what you know already. So what do you do for work at your day job? Do you spend time copywriting, putting together blog posts, creating proposals or presentations? Well, you could very easily make a go at freelance writing. The same goes if you're a web developer or a software engineer. Offer your freelance services on a project or hourly basis to companies that need tech help but can't justify another full-time hire. Designers, marketers, photographers, salespeople, all these types of jobs give you the opportunity to build your skills. And there's high demand for good freelancers in all of these fields. Getting started with freelancing is extremely easy. Personally, I'm not a fan of the freelance marketplace sites like Upwork, Elance, Fiverr. For most professions, you're treated like a commodity there because that's the kind of pricing that most clients are looking for on those sites. So I don't personally advise any of my core students on starting with those platforms. Instead, we begin by digging deep into your community first. Identify friends, family, former coworkers, classmates, teachers that either have or currently work at cool companies you could see yourself working with. Touch base with the people in your network through email, picking up the phone and calling or grabbing coffee with them. Not with a hidden agenda in mind that you need to immediately nuzzle your way into a freelance gig with them, but just to let them know that you're now taking on freelance projects. Organize your best work into a very simple online portfolio using something like Squarespace or a website that can just essentially show your prospective clients the type of work you'll be able to deliver for them. Now, this is particularly important because none of the kinds of clients you're going to want to work with will hire you without having an idea of the quality of your work. So if you don't have a bunch of work to highlight in your portfolio right now, take the time to just create some work yourself. Publish something that you're personally proud of and would love to be paid to do in the future by companies that resonate with your work. 
And if you don't feel expert enough in your space to charge people for your work, you're underestimating yourself. There's always going to be someone better and more experienced. You need to give yourself permission to value your time and your work. And once you land that very first client, each new one will come much easier because you're going to have more relevant portfolio work and you'll be able to perfect your pitching. I started out freelance writing for $100 a blog post when I was brand new to freelancing. And over the course of little more than a year, I worked my way up to charging $2,500 per blog post. I did that by reacting to what my clients were telling me, by seeing that they got really excited when one of my blog posts drove a lot of social shares, traffic, email signups. So I kept replicating what worked and ditching what didn't. It sounds obvious, but my experience was telling me that my clients craved successful content. Not just a 2,000 word blog post, but content that would live on to drive real results for the bottom line of their business. And recognizing this, I spent a lot of time building relationships with business publications, both for boosting my own credibility and for also being able to syndicate content to the places my companies wanted to be featured on. With freelancing, it's really easy to get overwhelmed in the beginning comparing where you are today with someone else who's been doing this for years. Don't worry about where those other people are. Learn from them what you can, but start small and start in your own way. Focus on landing just one paid client from within your personal and professional network. Then work like hell to deliver results they'll be excited about. From there can come referrals to new clients, great portfolio examples, and most importantly, the courage to go out and pitch someone else. Next up on our list today, physical products. If you have dreams of building a physical product and you like to think of yourself as a tinkerer or maybe an inventor of sorts, it's important to regularly gut check yourself with feedback from the community you're creating your product for. You can't build a product in a silo, working by yourself, making assumptions about what people will like. You need to involve your target audience from day one around discussions about whether or not they'd even use this product if it was real. First step, make sure your product idea solves a meaningful problem. Do an insane amount of research. Does some version of your product idea exist in Google search results or on Amazon yet? You should be hoping to find something, anything that's attempting to at least solve the same problem your product would be solving. You want to prove that there are already customers willing to pay for a solution to this problem. That way, there will be demand for your product straight out the gate. If you're not seeing anything in your search results, why not? That's often a sign that your idea would be solving a problem that doesn't really exist or isn't bothersome enough for people to pay for a solution to. But what about Elon Musk, right? Following this advice, he wouldn't have built Tesla. While it's definitely true that electric cars lost a lot of popularity and momentum over the 20 years leading up to Tesla, where Elon saw an opportunity was in exploiting the massive advancements in battery technology. And by not being afraid to pour millions of his own dollars from selling PayPal into battery research himself. He also went all in with a completely different approach than any other car company had ever tried before, a charging network for all Tesla vehicles to stop and be able to recharge. Not only that, the charging was free at Tesla charging stations until just recently. He took the same problem electric car makers were trying to solve in the past and did a much better job of solving it this time around. 
But I digress. So where were we? Um, let's assume you're still convinced you have a legitimate problem here that you want to solve with your product. It's your number one job to figure out what your target customers are currently doing to solve that problem for themselves. Maybe there's an existing solution out there that's already kind of good enough. Some sort of intuitive workaround most people had just figured out for themselves. Maybe you could create a product that offers a more direct solution, but you have to make sure it's viable to sell at a price point that's commensurate to the amount of value it's delivering customers. I've got a classic example for you of how easy it is to fall into this trap of building a product people kind of, sort of like, but wouldn't really be willing to pay for. My very first business built around a product I called the iStash. Many of you are familiar with this product of mine already, but the iStash was designed to look like an iPhone, but it was instead a stash device. I promoted it as a way to sneak cigarette-shaped items into concerts and music festivals. I've grown up a lot since then. Anyway, the iStash had a novelty effect to it, so people looked at it and got a good laugh. And some people thought it was cool, a few thought it was worth paying for. But one of the biggest problems I ran into with the iStash, of which there were many fatal flaws, was that my manufacturing margins didn't allow for me to sell the iStash at below $20, which was my planned price point. At least not without seriously eating into my profit margins. Instead of going out and soliciting a lot of user feedback on my hand-built prototypes, I settled feeling confident that I'd sold 10 or so of them for 20 bucks to my close friends. Now, if I had instead shopped my prototypes around to local smoke shops, taken them to a few trade shows to meet with distributors, or even just asked for feedback from people I didn't already have personal relationships with, I would have quickly learned that the vast majority of people were willing to pay something more like 10 bucks for a novelty product like the iStash. So after my first production run of a few thousand ice ashes, mostly sat in my garage for a few months, I had to make the tough call to sell them at the price people were willing to pay, $9.95. At the end of the day, I eventually sold all of my inventory and closed up shop about $6,500 in the red. Bottom line with physical product businesses, it's dangerously easy to get attached to your idea and find yourself spending a lot of money bringing it to life before you've truly validated it. So go out and connect with your target audience. Get pre-orders from them. You need proof that they're going to be willing to pay for this solution, not that they're just telling you it's a kind of cool idea. You want to get your customers first. All right, the last type of business we're talking about today, digital products. Online courses, videos, ebooks, SaaS tools, PDF worksheets, apps, web elements like WordPress themes and plugins, design templates, the list goes on and on. But you know what? Something that really isn't talked about enough when it comes to building digital products is that just like any business, you need to be able to actually help people through your product first. All too often, and no joke, I just saw this this week. I come across relatively new bloggers jumping straight into selling a course about how to start a blog as soon as they hit their first month with 10,000 visitors or so. Now, might that person actually be able to teach many blogging beginners how to get started? Sure, probably. But that's not going to be a very lucrative business for that person, at least not for a while, because they're not drawing from a deep well of experience, which is why 
Long before you actually begin building your digital product, you need to think of yourself as a consultant, a problem solver. Paul Graham, founder of the startup accelerator Y Combinator, has written extensively about this. If you want to create an online course business, help 10 people get kick-ass results in the field your course will be about first. If you want to build a SaaS tool, find a handful of business owners who will pay you to do the kind of work your SaaS tool will help with. Slowly start automating the work with the rough version of your tool and see where that gets you. Grow from there. If you want to sell an ebook, get together with a group of people who have an interest in the topic your book will be about and make sure that you're actually addressing their wants and needs. Incorporate them in the process of outlining your book. They'll feel personally invested in it and will be much more likely to buy when you launch. At its core, the reason for viewing yourself as a consultant in the early days of working your way into a digital product business is simple. If you don't stop to individually help one, two, three, five, ten people get their desired results before you productize your solution, you'll literally be incapable of creating a digital product that solves that problem at scale. I think you're starting to pick up on the trend. No matter what type of business you want to start, whichever sounds most appealing to you, the common denominator of successful entrepreneurs is that their product service solution helps people solve a meaningful problem. And that problem needs to be one that you personally have experience solving for both yourself and others. Here's the beauty about starting as a side hustle, though. Regardless of where you're at, you can start today. And you can do that without having an undue amount of pressure, stress, that the business must be profitable in a matter of weeks because you still have your day job for keeping the bills paid. You don't need to be the world's foremost expert on your subject in order to charge for your services, to ask people to pre-order your product, to get someone on board for your coaching program that might eventually evolve into a course. All you really need is the courage to start today to continue your journey of becoming an expert at your craft, to use your skills to help others. Chase your interests, do something, take control. Because the one thing you absolutely cannot afford to do is to wait around for the right idea to magically fall into your lap. If you enjoyed this episode of the Side Hustle Project, I would love your support. Head on over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating. And as always, you can catch every episode of the Side Hustle Project on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. And one more thing before you go. I want to give a special thanks again to FreshBooks, our sponsor for this episode of the Side Hustle Project, for making this possible. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial of their cloud accounting and invoicing software to listeners of the Side Hustle Project. To claim your free trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash Ryan and enter the Side Hustle Project in the How Did You Hear About Us section.